I went to bed. I went to bed with things on my mind, and when I got up, I still had things on my mind. You ever have one of those nights? And when I got up and, and I went into the next room to do my morning devotional, I was distracted. I had all of these things on my mind. But the, the chapter that I, I read that morning was Ephesians chapter 3. And, and, you know, God works these things out sometimes. You know, just at the time when you need it the most, then that seems to be what God gives you. In verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, I read a kind of a doxology that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus after he's told them a lot about what God is like, what Jesus is like. He finishes off with verses 20 and 21. Listen to these amazing words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Everybody say more. more. Than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen and that was just what i needed that morning it was just what i needed at that time just to be reminded that god is able to do immeasurably more than i could even ask or imagine i needed reminding because you know sometimes we need to have our memory jogged right okay and so we just need to ask ourselves sometimes, can't God take a day that we thought wasn't really going to be all that great? Or we thought would just at best be ordinary and turn it into something immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine. Well, all we have to do is remember. He's already done that. If we just remember I remember another cold and kind of foggy morning, and this one's about 22-ish years ago. And I was teaching at Grissom High School in Huntsville, and Tammy was working at WHNT, one of the TV stations in Huntsville. And I got up that morning, and I was already thinking that it was not going to be a good day because I was coming down with a sinus infection. I knew I was because it happens to me a couple of times a year, and I've been living in this body for quite a few years, and I know what's going on, right? And I knew what I needed to do. I needed to go to the doctor and get some medicine so I could get on the road to recovery. But I also know about myself that I have been known to be a stubborn mule from time to time and not do what I'm supposed to do. Can I get an amen from my wife? Okay. So... On this day, though, I really thought, okay, I need to go ahead and do this. And so uh, during my planning period at school, I went and I got on the phone. I got on the landline because back then I had a cell phone, but I didn't. I wasn't dependent on it. You know, it was just 2G or something. Or I, I just still used the landline. And I called Dr. Rouse's office. He's my family doctor, our family doctor. I called Dr. Rouse's office and I said, I think I'm coming down with a sinus infection. Do you think you could work me in after school? And they said, if you'll come right after school, we'll work you in. And I said, thank you. And the rest of the day, I just held on. You know, I just muddled through. Chewing gum and bailing wire, as we say in the country. I just made it through. 
And I jumped in the car and I went straight to the doctor's office. And I went in Dr. Rao's office, went up to the little window where they had the sliding glass door. Did y'all have the sliding glass door? And I signed in on the little clipboard. Do y'all have a clipboard at your doctor? You put your name, the time that you arrived, and has there been a change in your insurance since the last time you were here? No. And when I was signing in on the clipboard, I noticed a few names above mine was the name of my wife. And I thought, well, that's strange. I don't know what she's coming to the doctor today, so I didn't see her anywhere. So I signed my name in, and I sat down, and I started looking through the old magazines, you know, from like five years ago. And in a little bit, they called my name, and I went through. They were going to put me in one of those exam rooms, you know. And so I said, can I go to the restroom before I go into the exam room? Yes, sir, just right down the hall, Mr. Hayes. I went down, and I started opening the restroom door, and as I was pulling on the restroom door, someone was pulling on the other side. I thought, this is awkward. <laughs> and then the door opened, and it was my wife, Tammy. And I thought, this is more awkward than I thought. <laughs> She said, what are you doing here? I said, I don't know what are you doing here. I came here because I'm sick. And the nurse was in the hallway, and she saw we were both there, and she just laughed. She said, well, since y'all are both here, y'all can just go in the same exam room. And I thought, great. So we went into the same exam room, and still feeling like this is kind of weird. I didn't know if she was coming. I, she had a sinus infection, too. And, and uh, so uh, there we are, and in Dr. Rao comes, and Dr. Rao listened to my back and my front with his stethoscope and looked up my nose and in my ear and opened my mouth and I said, ah, and all of those things. And then Dr. Rao does that. He did this all the time. He took his thumbs and he pressed right under my eyes and I jumped that high off the table because I had a sinus infection. And he said, did that hurt? <laughs> and I said, yeah. I started to say something smart alecky, but I thought better of it because Tammy was sitting over there. She was giggling at this point at me, and Dr. Rao left the room, and I said, what are you laughing about? And by the way, why are you even here anyway? Are you sick too? And she says, not exactly, in a kind of a mysterious way. And I was thinking, well, what is going on here? But before I could say anything else in a few minutes, in comes Dr. Rao with some news. He said, Mr. Hayes, you have a sinus infection. Mrs. Hayes, you're pregnant. <laughs> Pause for the backstory. This is the backstory. Tammy and I had been married for about five years, and we really wanted to have a family. But it just was not working out. It just wasn't happening for us. And we were just about ready to give up. And then on this day, that I thought was it really wasn't going to be a good day. I got some shockingly good news. Amazing good news. Better than I ever expected to get on a cold winter day. You know, God has been known to do that. Give you amazing, shocking good news when you didn't expect it to be that good. Do you remember? That's what the gospel is about anyway. The gospel is good news, better than we even thought it could be. And the gospel is a call to remember. 
to just let our minds look back. Not just to the Christmas story, but before the Christmas story, when the Advent story starts in Luke chapter 1, to another maybe dreary day, maybe ordinary day, when an old man named Zechariah was making his way to the temple with about probably 50 other priests. And the only thing different about this day is that it was going to be a little special because this is the day that Zechariah was going to be the one to get to go into the sanctuary and to offer the incense to God. That was so special that it probably only came around once in a lifetime. They had so many priests that it... And they had them divided up into divisions. And your division only came around once or twice a year. And then out of that number, maybe once in a lifetime. And Zechariah was getting old. So I imagine he was thinking, this may be my only time at that, so to speak. Kind of a big deal. So as the priests approached the temple, the gates of the temple would swing open and the sound of silver trumpets would be filling the air, calling the faithful to gather to worship and pray as the priest gets the incense offering ready to go. And Zechariah goes into the sanctuary alone with the incense and he approaches the altar. Okay, pause for the backstory. The backstory is this. Zechariah and Elizabeth were this wonderful couple. I mean, they had lived pious lives. They had practically done everything right. They were following God's commandments the best they could. They were well respected in the community. Everybody knew them. Everybody loved them. Zechariah was part of the priestly line of, of Abijah. Elizabeth herself was from the priestly line of Aaron. They were special. They had a lot going for them. But as much as they had going for them, they had a big problem. They didn't have any children. And you think, well, what's the problem there? They get to travel more. I don't see what the big deal is there. No, it was a big deal for them. Because not having children in their day was seen as a sign of God's disfavor. It was like a dark cloud that followed them wherever they went. They probably thought about it all the time all the time and they prayed and they prayed and nothing ever happened and they were just about to give up hope well maybe they had a little bit of a kernel of hope because you know where that was that story that everybody tells around the campfire the story about abraham and sarah and how old they were when they found out they were going to have a baby remember that one and so back to Zechariah. Zechariah goes into the sanctuary. He approaches the altar with the incense. He's there to speak to God on behalf of the people. That was kind of his job as a priest, right? And, and then after that, he's going to speak to the people on behalf of God. That was what he was there to do. That was the plan. And then something unexpected happened. Then he's greeted by an angel. And he's terrified, as people usually were when they were greeted by an angel in, in the Bible. The angel Gabriel said, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. 
So Luke, the gospel writer, is trying to get everybody to remember something, to remember something so that they can learn something because memory is a great teacher. Memory teaches us that God's good news is better than we ever expected. We should learn that lesson by now. We should know it by now. But sometimes we don't. Zechariah had to learn the hard way. I have to sometimes learn the hard way. Anybody else have to learn the hard way? I do. And so after the angel tells Zechariah that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son, they're going to name him John, Zechariah questions the angel. He says something like, this seems too good to be true. I'm, I'm getting kind of old here. And my wife, well, you know, she's not a spring chicken anymore. So how will I know that this is going to be so? And otherwise, in other words, I want a sign that this is really going to happen. I want a sign. And the angel Gabriel gets a little bit huffy. And he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I'm here to bring you good news. You want a sign, big boy? Here's your sign. You're not going to be able to talk until all of this comes to pass. And then, boom, Zechariah is mute. He can't say a word. Mama always said, if you can't say something nice, then what? Then don't say anything at all, and Zechariah was going to get to practice that for about nine months. And as I was telling my class, my Sunday school class that's temporarily my Advent Sunday school class, and y'all can join us up in the gathering room at 10 o'clock if you want to, I said, I'm trying to imagine what it was like for Zechariah for nine months to have this amazing good news and not be able to say anything about it. And then I was thinking, you know what, it might be kind of nice not to say the wrong thing as a husband for nine months. That might be a record. So John is mute. He can't say anything at all. He's about to have to go and preach. And he can't say anything. And Luke tells this story in verses 21 through 23. Listen to this. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. Why is he taking so long? When he did come out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Will you just think about that? He kept motioning to them. He couldn't say anything. What kind of sign language would you use to tell somebody that an angel had spoken to you and that you were a senior citizen and your wife was a senior citizen and you were about to have a... I mean, what would he do? Think about it. How would he say that? I mean, what would you do? Is this ridiculous? I know I'm being silly, but honestly, what did he do in front of the congregation? They were like, Zechariah, where have you been? I mean, all right, and this is even greater. This is, oh, I love this story so much. Then he had to go home and see his wife and tell her what happened without being able to tell her what happened. Can you just imagine? He goes home. Elizabeth meets him at the door. 
Hi, honey. So how did it go at the temple? Zechariah, don't you ignore me. You better say something. And then he's trying to explain to her using this sign language, and he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to do. So he walks over to the stereo. Y'all work with me here. Use your imagination. He's got to communicate with her, so he goes to the stereo. He looks through the albums. He's got to find the most romantic album he can because they got to have this baby the old-fashioned way, right? He can't talk, which probably helps at times. But he, I don't know, he pulls out Johnny Mathis, puts it on, gets it to going. John says, I, though I wear a silly green. I don't know, is he dancing? He's asking her to dance. I'm telling you, God's good news is better than anything you could ever imagine. And Luke is just setting the table with this story. He's just setting the table because this is Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're talking about John the Baptist. And just a few months later, Gabriel's going to come to another young woman named Mary. And he's going to give her some good news that she never imagined, never expected. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be the savior of the world. And Mary didn't know what to do, so she walked over to the stereo. And she put the Beatles album on and sang, Let it be, let it be. Oh, come on, y'all. <laughs> Has your memory been jogged yet? Because God's good news is better than we ever expected. The meaning of memory. I actually looked it up on the interweb. Memory, I was told, is the ability to store and recall things that we've learned, experiences that we've had. But it's more than that. Memory is also the use of past experience to affect or influence current behavior. The use of past experience to influence and affect current behavior. Our memory of what God has done for us can influence our here and now, can it? Can influence what we think and what we do now just by remembering what God has done for us. Advent is a time to have our memory job. We remember what God did through these stories of awesome characters like Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we remember God's good news is better than anything we could think up. And that hopefully causes us to remember how God's been there for us in times gone by. How good God has been for us. How God has taken something ordinary, maybe even something painful, and turned it into something beautiful which in turn can influence us today in the here and now, can keep us anchored, anchored in hope.
Let's pray.